0: good morning everybody and welcome to the 307 rpg podcast i'm patrick
1: i'm nolan and i'm zach
0: fellas what is new in your world nolan let's start with you tell me something exciting because i've done nothing
2: uh nothing exciting just more of the usual world of warcraft other scrolls online watched a lot of netflix families out of town so got caught up on all the cartoon series i need to get caught up on got all my zombie movies Watched some random movie as I was in the rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it.
3: Okay. Okay, Zach, how about you? Tell me something exciting. Come on now.
1: Ooh, something exciting. Uh, I did not like the choices I made in Mass Effect 1. So after 12 hours of playing, I just restarted.
0: Oh, no. What, what's that? what was the thought process like for that? You're like 12 hours in. And I'm gonna do you. Do you feel like you just wasted 12 hours?
1: No, it's Mass Effect. You don't waste time in Mass Effect. That's (laughs) hilarious because I'd no longer want to play as a male shepherd. I'm gonna start over as female shepherd. That was my thought. Okay,
0: fair enough. Yeah, Aiden has been playing Mass Effect as well, and he he just loves it. So
1: so good. It's one of the best
2: voice acted games I've ever seen. That's awesome. And usually it's one of those things of like you can tell like I don't know both. Male Shep and Fem Shep, right, are mm-hmm. phenomenal. Like usually, you get like one good one. And you're like, okay, this is clearly canon or whatever. But they are both so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it. It might be the best voice acted. Thing cool. Well, I've said.
0: I've never messed with Mass Effect ever. Period. And you
2: should. I, well.
0: We'll see. It's. it's <laughs> I
2: gotta find the. No, I, If you get a chance, I mean, with the Legendary Edition being out, uh. It's, yeah, well done, great story. It's gotta be what top three RPGs all time.
1: I think it's the best Western RPG ever made. Like I don't think anything else is even close because it's three games and they get to pretend that you have to judge it as one.
2: Yeah. I could see that. And they they scale to get even better as you play through. Gosh. Yeah, that's that's probably a topic for another time. Now I'm having all kinds of bioware getting yeah, because <laughs> it it could just be bioware's just that good.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Well, I have done very little gaming this week. I did get a chance to play World of Warcraft yesterday. I woke up very early. Um needed to write a paper for a class I'm in. Wrote the damn paper. I was like, I'm just going to fucking do it. And then I was like, well, now I have a few a few minutes let me play some world of warcraft for a little bit so i did that briefly it's the first time i've been on wow for a couple of weeks but uh it's always fun to hop in and visit with my friend mary and uh just play a little bit we just did some dailies nothing nothing major uh i did and i was going to talk to you guys about this because i think this is kind of neat so i was invited to join the local uh civic theater guild to be a member of their board and you would think, as much time as I don't have, that I would probably turn this down. But no, I didn't, because I can always squeeze something else into my day, right? I so that. I joined. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> so I ended up joining the board and chatting with them. Have you guys? Have either of you ever been in the Carriage House Theater?
1: Yes. I've been in there, yes.
0: It's a pretty neat, I mean, it's small. It's a very intimate space, but it's pretty neat. And I'm sitting there checking it out, right? And I'm just looking around and just observing different things. And I thought, you know, this would be really, because it is small, this would be a really neat place to do a DD and d live. So I chatted with the president of the board and another board member who have both asked me to come and run D&D games for them. And I said, what do you guys think of actually hosting a DD and d live event? And I said, we can charge like $5 to come in and watch it. It would be an interactive game where you obviously you have the DM and the party. The party would be made up of. People who are members of the theater guild, who are actors and actresses and have expressed an interest in playing D&D. So as I'm talking to these two, another board member overhears me and she freaks the fuck out and comes running over. She's like, yes, 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 we have to do this. And so we may be producing a D&D live um, event this summer, which I'm going to need both of you because it's going to be co-sponsored by 307RPG that's cool so yeah um super cool idea we're not sure how many like it probably just be two hour episodes and we'll probably just do three and they're going to be like you can buy individual episodes for five bucks or for ten dollars you can come to all three and so we'll see how it goes um it's very much in the early stages, but... And then we talked about other She's So the board the, the board president was like, well, could we do other games as well? And I'm like, yeah, there's a ton of other games that we could look at. Uh, and things that lend itself to that style and that space would obviously be the They Came From series, where it is, you know, based on these movies and you are actors and actresses in the game. So we talked about that as well. So I don't know. I might be tapping the both of you to be a part of this too, so super cool idea cleared so we'll see and my thought process is it would bring new people into the theater uh younger people people who may not have an interest in being in theater but when they see something like this see how role-playing games in theater really do go hand in hand as we've seen with critical role
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah that's a super cool idea
0: We'll see how it goes. Um, so we do have a topic of the night, and that is we are going to be looking at the freshly released, freshly unearthed. I was trying to think of something cryptic to say about this, but just couldn't come up with it. So the freshly released Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft for 5e Dungeons and Dragons. I'm super excited about this book, by the way. But before we jump into that, we do have a lot of news to cover, especially in the world of Dungeons & Dragons. So let's just jump over to there. Spoilers have been coming out for the upcoming Magic the Gathering set Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. And based on the images I've seen, it looks like I'm going to be buying some magic cards. (laughs) Specifically, I will be buying individual cards. But I'm going to throw this to you, Nolan, because you're the ones who are showing me the images. Tell me what you think of the cards that you have seen so far, specifically the three that you were showing me.
2: So far, it's done, I think, exactly what it was supposed to do. It's, it's gotten people from D&D excited. Um, I, from a playing standpoint, it was one of those things of, like, you look at it, you're like, okay, this is cool, this is playable, moving on. And then looking at the cards and the theme behind it. And, and Zach was kind of the ones talking to me about the Dritz card. Uh, one of the, the, the text on it says, whenever a creature dies, if it had power greater than Dritz power put a number of one, one counters on it equal to the difference. And Zach's like, so he leveled up, he got enough experience to level up. And I was like, that, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like I hadn't thought of it that way. It was like, for me, it was like just always just overcomes a more difficult thing. And every time you see him, he's more powerful. I didn't realize he was leveling up in my you know brain. Like, you know, so it was, uh, it was, it's, it's really cool. The flavors there. Um, the art is really good. Um, you can see, uh, Looking at the Dritz art, it looks like he's battling a frost giant. You look over to the Bruner art, and it looks like while Dritz is jumping off a cliff, attacking the face, Bruner is in the same fight with him because they're party members, attacking lower, like tanking type situation. So to me, it looked like an adventuring party was doing work, you know, in this thing. And so I liked all the, again, we talked about if it was handled with love, it could be really good. And I definitely think they're doing that
0: i would agree and and i'm excited mostly the alternate art cards and i didn't i couldn't find those as quickly as i wanted to and i'll see if i can um those looked really good but for me it's not a matter of wanting to play magic again although i love playing magic i just i don't know magic has changed so much and how they're doing things now i'm just not sure i'm into it as much as i used to but these are cards that i will more than likely at least buy one of and just to have in a collection just have the Forgotten Realms collection. Um, Zach, I know you're not much of a Magic player, and you only play when I force you to. <laughs> so to I, am curious. I, just... I am curious, what were your thoughts on these?
1: Um, I mean, I thought they were really cool. Uh, the thing I think I'm most interested is that I'm wondering who was in charge at Wizards that was like, no, we're not doing any of that. Everything magic serves to funnel people who play D&D into, or into magic. That is what we are trying to do. And maybe that person had a change of heart, or maybe that person is gone. But this seems like it's also designed to funnel people who might play magic to play D&D.
0: And it makes sense. The brands are so similar. There's so much synergy between the two. They've already been doing magic stuff in D&D with the, uh, uh, the Zendikar books and, and, you know, things like that. Um, gosh, I can't remember, um, the, 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 uh, Ravnica books so we've oh, yeah. seen those books translate over to D&D and we can see that they translate well so it makes sense to do that translation back into magic and why not take this iconic thing the forgotten Realms, that let's face it that seems to be what they want 5th edition to be and put it yeah. into magic so it's really I'm stoked about that um, I do think it's interesting that they chose to make Loth who is a goddess a planeswalker Instead of letting letting her be a god, um, so I was kind of surprised about that. But I will say, Does
1: that make as a her planeswalker, more or less powerful,
0: um, it kind of makes her more powerful. In as much as we can now see this character in other Magic settings because it is a planeswalker, uh, instead of just oh. labeling it as a god, Loth is now a planeswalker who can traverse the multiverse of, of magic um i did think some loth costs three other and two black right Uh, and it says whenever a creature you control dies put a loyalty counter on loth the spider queen holy crap that could be really really big Uh, for zero you draw a card and you lose one life yep that, that that's standard black right minus three create two two one black spider creature tokens with menace and reach i love that um quick little f- creatures that are going to take out that big f- flying dragon that's coming over her head as long as it doesn't have trample. And then eight. No. Yes, Zach.
1: So she can use one of her abilities to summon two creatures, right? And then if those creatures die, she would just get two loyalty tokens back. Okay. So yes. it's a net loss of one.
3: Isn't that sick?
2: She's uh, she expen- She uses your prayers to summon creatures. And then does what she wants, and afterwards you praise her for her power.
0: And it's so Loth-like, right? Mm-hmm. It is oh, so awesome. Loth-like. Um, so then the last her ultimate ability of minus eight, which again, you're summoning creatures, you're gaining things back. So yeah, it, it works out. Um, you get an emblem with whenever an opponent is dealt combat damage by one or more creatures you control. If that player lost less than eight life this turn they lose life equal to the difference. You're just, this is a really powerful card. This is a really powerful card. And I think if you see things like black, black, white token decks, um, this is a a card that that could be really strong. Now, the big thing with this card is that she's expensive. It's five mana. So she's not going to be online in normal circumstances until turn five. Yes, there's plenty of ways to get her out quicker than that but let's face it, it's going to be a typical five mana cost creature. Um, either way, especially in commander, I think you're going to see a lot of black decks that this is their commander, and they're going to be like black zombie token decks or or whatever, and you're going to see a commander uh, a loth just kicking people's ass.
2: Yeah, I like that she doesn't have a plus. I think that's cool because gods can't do anything on your own. You need people to worship you and I like that kind of theme but that makes sense it's yeah I I think they did a good job with that
1: her ultimate turns all the damage dealt to one person her minimum becomes eight damage yeah so if you attack with three one
2: ones and one of them sneaks through it's minimum of eight
1: they took eight damage so it's a a game ending okay it is because don't don't you start with 20 life
0: you do, absolutely.
3: And
1: what
0: makes it even worse is like, um, these creatures have menace. These spiders, they have menace. So they have to be blocked by two or more creatures. Right? Oh. Am I, am I remembering menace correctly, Nolan? That seems right to me. Here, I'm the goddamn judge and I can't remember. Um, so yeah, so they have to be blocked by multiple creatures. So if they're not... So you know, on turn five, you get that out. Maybe you did a board wipe or something. So where now you're having to reset the board. You have Loth in play. She's cranking out spiders. She's attacking. The other person doesn't have their 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 you know their board state back online, and you're getting hit for eight by a goddamn little creature.
2: Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah and the I other think, thing i was gonna say i think all of them too so far have been good right we looked at a we saw the tm out one we were all pretty impressed with we saw the vorpal sword the flavor was there um yeah, yeah the, it's it's cool it really is i wouldn't mind it would be interesting to play a uh forgotten realms limited tournament or something you know what i mean like just something there, yeah,
0: Coming out, if I'm not mistaken, there will be Forgotten Realms-based commander decks, um, I think. Now, that could be incorrect, because I believe the next commander set is going to be the Warhammer commander set, which is probably another thing that I'm going to be sucked into buying, uh, just because for the collector ability of it. Uh, it won't be anything I open, or probably be something I buy and then put away. Um, but I, I did want to talk real quick, though, about the Dritz card, because... <laughs> Not only is the artwork pretty badass, one of the things that struck me was uh so I'm gonna read the, the text itself. So Dritz has double strike, which why wouldn't he, right? Yeah. Uh, when Dritz Duerden enters the battlefield to create Gwenwaver, a legendary 4-1 green cat creature token with trample. So, you know, obviously we know that Gwenwavir is, you know, her Dritz's legendary pant. With her, right with him at all times. We also know that Gwen Webier does get beat up pretty quick and goes back into the figurine and he can resummon it later. With him being green white, which I think is absolutely appropriate for his colors, uh, and I think we actually talked about that at one point, and I think we did identify green white as his colors. You have the ability to flicker Dritz up and down. Gwen's in and out and-, and doing all sorts of really cool damage. So I think, I think. I think that's a really cool card. And the artwork on Brunner Battlehammer, that's that's a good looking dwarf. And magic dwarves uh recently have not looked that good. Uh this is the iconic dwarf that I have been wanting to see in my magic sets for a while. So I'm super stoked about that card as well.
2: Well, and I like that um because Gwen is stronger, when Gwen dies, Dritz get stronger. And for me, it reminds me of of like Homeland when he goes into the Berserker rage, right? I just realized that. Like the the hunter comes out, right? It's vengeance dritzed. And I'm like, yeah, okay, he just barbarian rage because Gwen's gone, you know, type situation. And that always happens. I mean, it always happens in the books, you know, like he fights on after Gwen sacrifices herself to protect him or whatever it is.
0: Yep. And now I'm very excited to see Artemis because I bet you they're going to do him. I'm excited to see Catabri and Wolfgar and Regis. I want to see all of the Icewind Dale characters the companions in this-
2: all.
0: Yes, it's well, going to be, I think it's going
2: to be cool. I was going to say, uh, that was the big thing I liked about Bruner was, so Bruner, for each creature you control, gets plus two for each equipment attached to it. You may pay zero uh, rather than the equip cost to equip the ability you act. The first thing I thought was him gifting the hammer, right? And oh yeah, it, that was the theme I took from it. Was he's a dwarf? He makes stuff. He gifted the hammer, you know. And and for me, I was just like, oh, you know, like it was just that little thing of like, I don't know if that's what they intended, but that's what I took away from it. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I want to see was it Angus Fang in the game right next yeah. to it. you can equip uh, Fang, yeah. And my guess is if Dritz comes with Gwyn, there'll be an equipment with it that Wolfgar gets it. Like search your deck for Angus yeah. Fang and yeah. get it or something like that
0: yeah absolutely it's a whole Thor Mjolnir thing <laughs> mm-hmm. very much or comes in and just whoa that's cool no I dig that 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 I didn't even catch that Nolan so good good get good, good, good catch on that so that set does come out in uh July tw- 16th no July 23rd yeah, yeah July 23rd so yeah, we're coming up on a very quick. So I am looking forward to that. Again, I don't know that I'm going to be buying a whole lot of it so much as I will be buying singles. Uh, that, that is something I I will want to purchase. I may may do some pre-order, at least I might order uh, pre-order Bruner just to guarantee that I get one and then slowly pick up the others because, again, I just love the Bruner card. All right, so let's move on because we have actually a lot of D&D news to cover this week. Um, last week, a video was released titled Sleep Sound. Uh, the Legend of Dritz, a four-minute oh my gosh, my dogs are going crazy. Um, <laughs> a four-minute animated short narrated by Benedict Cumberpatch. Nolan, again, you shot this one to me, so I'm going to start with you here. What did you think of this video?
2: I really liked it. Um, so, uh, gosh, who's the who's the big guy from Vampire the Masquerade? Uh, he's the... Beckett. No, 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 no. Uh, sorry, uh, who plays the the stream? Dave B. oh oh um B. Dave Wilson B. Dave Wilson yeah so he did a thing with Salvatore where they sat down and he got to see it for the first time yeah it, it's it's worth a watch it was very interesting to see them talk about it and what and so I guess the story behind this was is Wizards approached uh, Salvatore and said hey we want you to do a a drow lullaby for Dritz. what that okay and like well this is what we're going to do to get ready for this and this and this we want you to do that oh and by the way we have benedict cumberbatch that's going to do the voiceover and he's just like okay so he got to watch it for the first time with them there and just seeing him get emotional about it and stuff like that and he's like that's that's awesome that's here he goes that's not me that's wizards that's 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 not what i put that's you know really good and it was great it was uh it was interesting seeing a very quick story of dritz right like it gets you up to speed on what's happening through this little lullaby of basically everything that they do is to supplant this fear of that you need us you need us you need it and it really tied into what they're going to do next i i really like the direction they're going to go but that's kind of a different topic but yeah I, I liked it i thought it was beautiful
3: zach did you get a chance to watch it
1: i did your I'm thoughts into it. like i thought i thought it was really great But again, my question is, who was at Wizards that was like, no, we're not using our past stuff? If it can't be commoditized to sell a 5th edition book, we're not doing it. And now it's like... (laughs) And now you've got Baldur's Gate 3 coming out. You've got some sort of animated... This is obvious,
3: some long-term...
1: Yeah, like, they've really shifted focus right now towards... And again, I, and I'm just,
0: I, I really think it just makes sense to make these two products go hand in hand. Magic and, and, and D&D make sense to be together. And what better way to create trading cards of D&D than throw them into Magic?
2: And yeah. well, I think you look at what's coming, right? Now all of a sudden we've announced that the, the movie is going to be placed in the Forgotten Realms. You've got a video game uh, remake of Baldur's Gate coming out. That's in Forgotten Realms and Dritz. Uh You've got the card series. I think you just kind of look at what's going on, right? And we, it's been a while since we've had high fantasy style movie, right? Like that's that's been a gap that's been missing. We're we're past the Lord of the Rings years. We're past, you know, that kind of stuff. We've gone through the zombie phase. Um, we're forgetting about the Warcraft movie. We're just saying it doesn't exist. It a long time ago, though, at this point, right? And I think that I it it was, was, yeah. yeah. I think if you look at the timing of it, there's been enough time where you're not up against that comparison, right? We're ready for something. We're all hoping it's going to be good. We're not going to be like, you know, well, it's no Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings was, you know, 10 years ago. It's okay. Like, it's been long enough. You know, we can move on from it. You know, it'll get compared, but.
1: It was 20 years ago, buddy. Well, it just, 20 years like, ago, no one <laughs> Whatever. The last one wasn't. Shut up. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh my gosh
2: that's awesome <laughs> All right. just the 10 years ago. there we go <laughs> I've had 10 years to process it as the greatest film
3: fair enough
2: but no I, so... I, I, I it makes me exciting right But if they're doing it they're doing it right they're bringing on the right people and so far the stuff I've seen I think you know this is just along the lines of well this stuff's coming out let's tag on
0: Right, and it—I it, think it does make sense. Um, a couple of things, though, that struck me about this video is if this is Dritz's story, uh, aren't there some things wrong with it? Like, wasn't—and it's been a long time since I've read the books, so please correct me if I'm wrong here. But didn't Z, uh, Dritz get trained by Zach Nafine without knowing that Zach was his, was his father? Not true. Not true. So, who was the weapons master that he trained with?
2: That was Zach Nafine. He knew this is dead. Oh, okay. oh, he
0: did. Know that. Okay. Obviously I'm confused. Like I said, it has been a very,
2: very long time since I've read these books. I was in high school and a long time ago. And I think it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's why it was such a, a big deal when he loses him. Um, okay. And, and that's why he was, so what they do in there, like that fight is when Zach Nafine thinks he murdered the the innocent child in his sleep when they do the the raiding party or whatever and they kill that stuff Zach gotcha. is so disappointed because he's just like go be what you're going to be type situation like that was that was that whole scene and so i think it's a timeline thing um i don't think it's too far into the future um, I think it is all just kind of Homeland through Crystal Shard type stuff, getting started.
0: Okay, so, and I read Homeland through Crystal Shards, like, when those books were coming out. Right. So, it's been a very, very long time. And, and I was going to say, the video is written by R.A. Salvatore, so who the hell am I to criticize it? If anybody knows the Dritz story, obviously it's R.A. Salvatore, right? So, yeah. Um, At the end of the video, though, they did put a tagline to see more at com which does show us that this summer, they have basically labeled this summer, the Summer of Dridst. It is going to be filled with all things related to our favorite drought, According to Watsy. we're going to see several releases. Things like Dark Alliances, which we know he's included in. There is a new novel coming out, which as we discussed earlier in the week, but in our text messaging, um, this is like the only uh, D&D novel coming out because there's been like a hold put on the writing of D&D novels. So we we see this new Dritz coming out. There's going to be t-shirts, which I'm pretty sure Dom sent me a picture of one of the t-shirts and it looks badass. Uh, there's going to be replica scimitars, which would not surprise me if one day we see it hanging behind Nolan.
2: I already have one, so I'm excited to complete the set. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: um, and, and then just more. So I, I really think this summer, get yourself ready for some scimitar sword slinging action because it's going to be there.
2: I Yeah, and I w- I think that was one of the big things that I really liked of how do you rewrite history, right? And I think that was what we've kind of talked about with races being evil and not evil and Zoboranzen is now a hardcore central location cult of Loth. And the upcoming yes. book is The Starlight Enclave. They're not all evil. There are ones that have broken away from that. And I am ex- I'm excited to see the story, like just from a standpoint of you've been with this character who's been on an island his whole life because of what he is. And now he's going to see that this is a place. He's not to, alone. This is a place to raise your kid. I mean,
0: right.
1: He just had to go south a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the damn snow. Jesus.
0: All right. So, in other news, there was a supposed plot leak for or discovered—I'm not sure which um, one—about the soon-to-start production D&D movie. Now, I want to just throw out there that this plot was quickly dismissed by Screen Rant. Like within a couple hours, Screen Rant posted that this is not true. However, I wanted to post this. I learned this from Ian World News. Uh, So I'm just gonna read what it says here. An ex-harper turned thief escapes from prison with his partner, a female barbarian, and reunites with a no-talent wizard and a druid new to their team in an effort to rob the cheating Con man who stole all their loot from a from the heist had landed them behind bars, and used it to install himself as the lord of Neverwinter. Holy shit, that is one sentence. That's that a really is a long, long sentence. sentence. <laughs> I mean, it's all correct, but it's just a long sentence. <laughs> yeah. Only the traitor is uh, only the traitor is allied with a powerful red wizard. So obviously, red wizards a they there, who has something far more sinister in store. Being directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly and starring Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. Again, Screen Rant already came out within a couple of hours of this and said that this is not true. I've no idea where this came from. Um, but it doesn't sound terrible.
2: Sounds like a good adventure. I'm like, to
0: me. okay, sounds fun. Let's do this. So yeah. And we know that the D&D live action television series is in production. We know we have other things brewing for D&D. I do think we're going to see a lot this summer and it's going to be fun to see how it pans out. All right, not let's so, move on. Not, oh,
2: oh, oh, go ahead. So I, I made the mistake of looking at the store for what they have. And I was like, oh, WizKids has a thing for dritz. Why is it $1,500? And then I read full size dritz foam statue.
3: <laughs> Holy shit.
2: Probably won't see a full size dread statue back here. Are
0: you, I mean, I noticed that you said probably, so it wasn't a guarantee I'm, that it won't
2: happen. I'm super curious now. I do want to see one at some point. <laughs> Nolan gets that big fat GM bonus. He's like, hey, look. <laughs> Stands five foot seven. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine that showing up in a box at your door? N- no, I couldn't. <laughs> what is this, a sex doll? No, yes. That's less embarrassing.
3: <laughs> That's none of your business. All
2: right. Sorry. Okay. Oh, it's That's terrible.
0: What... <laughs> All right. Let's jump over to Onyx Path. Not a whole lot of news to cover here. Onyx Path is gearing up for their virtual convention, Onyx PathCon. This is something that they did last year during the COVID quarantine. And it was fairly successful quite a few people did attend and check things out the virtual convention will feature live play of onyx path games panels and more and of course i would wager they're going to be doing giveaways which is how i ended up scoring the two uh, scion books was at onyx paths virtual con last year i do plan on attending this just to check out and see what they have going on i won't sit here all day long and do it but i will be checking out you know Throughout the day, one of the things that I am in wow, one of the things that I am interested in learning about is the announcement of the third installment in the They Came From series, which Onyx Pass said they will be revealing at the con. So, we do have They Came From Beneath the Sea and They Came From Beyond the Grave. Uh, I know I have joked with Matthew Dawkins about they came from outer space or something like that, and he said something about they had to be careful with how they worded it. Mm -hmm. So, Who knows? Um, Considering what they do and how, you know, what they're basing these, they came from games on, would not be surprised to see if it's something space related. Uh, We'll see. Uh, I did see. I didn't see any real other news from Onyx Path. I did see that the V5 uh, uh, supplement, Children of the Blood, was released for POD option on DriveThruRPG this past Wednesday. Uh, this is a supplement that came about because of the very successful Kickstarter for Cults of the Blood Gods. There is a link in the show notes if you would like to purchase that book. Um, I did go ahead and purchase it because I have looked through the PDF and it looks freaking amazing. Uh, Over at Chaosium, they announced the release of Sisterhood, Dark Tales, and Secret Histories, an e-publication for Call of Cthulhu. Uh, I'm just going to read the uh, description here real quick, and then we're going to jump over to our topic. Uh, In churches and convents and other religious communities, Sisterhood takes many forms. Forged and tested by such mundane threats as disease and despair, but also by terrors, both spiritual and existential. Satan's subtle minions and the cosmic nightmare, the Cthulhu mythos. Sisterhood Dark Tales and Secret Histories present 16 horror stories by some of the genre's leading female voices. Their settings range around the globe and across the centuries, from 6th century Ireland to 17th century Virginia to Indonesia in the recent past. So that is available on... Um, Chaosium's website. I think it has a price tag of like nine dollars. So it is if you're into that Call of Cthulhu Mythos and you want some uh, something to read, that is something you can go pick up. Uh, I do think it actually looks pretty interesting. I I might end up buying that one. So we'll see. Okay, that is all the news that I saw. Did either of you see anything that I'm missing? Cool. Let's jump into our topic, then, because I do I do want to spend some time talking about this, and I have some things that I want to go over before we uh, unleash you both on uh, dissecting this book. Uh, so our topic of this week is obviously the newly released Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. This is, of course, a, the newly released source book for D&D. Wow. You can tell I read the show notes and not just speak for, uh, freeform, because I often repeat myself. Uh, I was in- want to grab a copy of the alternate art edition from Halen, our locally owned puzzles, our our owner of the local store. Wow, whatever, Patrick, move on. Uh, Shout out to Halen. And remember, if you're looking for games in Sheridan, you really should head down to puzzles in Main Street. Uh, When I went in to pick up my copy of the book, there was a gentleman who came in right before. I tell you what, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Because this guy walks in and I'm looking at him and he looks like he's an oil field worker, right? He looks, he's a big burly dude who looks like he... When I say oil field worker, he he's probably in the office of the oil fields because he looked too clean but clean cut. He just looked like a guy who'd be out there, right? And he went straight for this book. And Halen's looking at him and looking at me and looking at him. And and he said Halen said something about um uh that's the last one. And the guy looks at me and he goes, Oh man. Because I don't have a dog in this fight, so if 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 you wanted, I guess I'll give it to you. And Halen kind of chuckled. He goes, "No, he's got one behind the counter." <laughs> I was just like, "No, man," I said. Even if I didn't, it's yours. Go ahead and take it. Uh, so he was he was pretty excited about it, um, which I thought was great. I actually ended up telling him about the show. So I didn't get your name, but if you're listening and you end up following our show, hey, shout out! I'm glad you got your copy of the book. Uh, so I thought it was great. Uh, let's chat about who von Richten is before we dive into this book. Uh, Rudolf von Richten is a vampire hunter who can travel through the mists of Ravenloft, which makes him a very unusual person because traveling through the mists typically was only something the Vistani could do. Um, and usually the Dreadlords could not because they were stuck on their planes. But von Richten is able to tra- traverse the mists and go from dread plane to dread plane. His primary target, the object of his ire, is Strahd of Barovia. Um, in fact, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Von Richten is in Curse of Strahd. He is portraying, he is portraying the Half Elf Bard Rectavio and resided in the Blue Water Inn in Velaki, which you guys were in Vallaki quite a bit. We Von Richten is not new. What's that, Zach?
1: We just never like I don't think we ever had to meet him.
0: I don't think so either. I know that there was something like you guys walked through a mirror, if I remember correctly, and you were in the the Blue Water Inn at some point, and then you were traversing from like Scott uh, Strahd's castle to the Blue Water Inn or or something. I don't remember exactly how that went. Um, Although he is a vampire hunter, much like Volo, he chronicles this stuff that he sees throughout the different planes of Ravenloft. Von Richten is clearly obviously based on Abraham von Helsing, the famous vampire hunter of Dracula. Uh, So that is just a little bit of history I wanted to talk about when it came to Von Richten. Other than that, Zach, we're going to throw it to you first. Tell us your thoughts about this book.
1: Uh, I think it's great. I think it's probably, it seems like it's the best dungeon master focused book that they've released. Just like Player's Guide to Eberron and the Magic the Gathering books are supposed to be for dms but they really aren't so It's just like a world book dump like once you get to the actual dreadlords and the dreadlands it's just all for the dm here's here's the history of the dreadlord here's what the dreadlord does here's what the dreadlord wants and then they give you 15 things where it's like here is something that you can choose to develop a story on
3: yeah absolutely Nolan, your initial thoughts.
1: Kind of the same thing.
2: Uh I like I like the darker side of it. I thought they did a good job of just kind of the opening and the introductions of talking about what it is, why it is, uh, keeping the things in balance, um, and and again reminding you to focus on fun while using it. <laughs> uh but I did, uh, I think from a player standpoint, some of the stuff there, I really liked the Dark Gifts, Dark Bargains section, um, and I, I think the backgrounds were really cool. I'll, of course, coming right off of watching the new season of Castlevania, uh was all kinds of inspired of like, hey, this is how I'm going to make one of these guys. Um, the subclasses are good, but yeah, I really like the Dark Gifts section, and I think that would be something that if I was running something through here, that would be kind of the thing of like, well do you want a little extra power here we go you know you're up against a pretty big bad guy and whoever the overlord is just kind of keeps feeding them these little gifts to just ruin their day in the long run seeing how many people will grasp a power to overcome you know
0: yeah so i have one complaint about this book Mm
3: -hmm.
0: in in this is I, uh, it's a, like a knife in the heart for me. So, so we have the domains of Ravenloft. Chapter three. Chapter three does a fantastic job of breaking down each of the dead plane or dread planes, right? Uh, to the point where there were some dread planes that I didn't even know exist, or maybe I did and I just forgot. Like Blitzber, uh where it's like the alien nightmare world. I was like, what the fuck is this? And you see like a mind flare in the background or something. Uh, I thought that was really neat. Um, but there is a dread plane that is noticeably absent from this. Does anybody know what it is?
2: Guessing it's your Dragonlance one?
0: Indeed, it's Sithicus, which is Lord Soth's dread plane. So I was was a little bit bummed because I I Lord Soth is absolutely my favorite evil character in Dragonlance and I wanted to know more about Lord Soth. I know a lot about Lord Soth, but I always take an opportunity to read more about him. So why is this an iconic dread lord missing from this book? So it sent me down a rabbit hole. And I just wanted to touch on this real quick. So apparently in the late 90s, um, let me back up, sorry. In the, yeah, in the early 90s, they were creating, Ravenloft was coming into AD&D second edition, right? And they were trying to get, they had the red box set that came out that people were really, really excited about. I was excited about, I had a copy of it. And as they were expanding the world, they were trying to bring in more Dreadlords and they wanted to bring Lord Soth into it. So Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman hesitantly if I remember correctly, agreed to it, and Lord Soth came into Dra- to Ravenloft, and he came into Barovia, and this is in Knight uh, of the Black Rose, and he encountered Strad, and they had this whole thing. I can't remember the ex- how the book went out or w- went about because it's been you know more than thirty years since I've read it. However, uh, Soth then ends up getting his own little dread plane. Well, Weiss and Hickman were like, no, he's not staying there. He is coming to Kryn. That's where he belongs. And they got in a huge fight with TSR over this to the point where they suspended all Dragonlance novels. And as a result, they suspended, you know, Soth. Um, now, I should back up a little bit because Weiss and Hickman refused to write the book about Soth going into um, Ravenloft. And Todd Lockwood wrote the book. or If I got that correct, I believe I do. And again, Weiss and Hickman are like, no, that's bullshit not happening so when they came back and i think it was around the Wattsy era when they came back and it was early 2000s and they actually wrote a couple of dragonlance books they were like well we want soth and there was a lot of friction and like a couple of books have been written about soth in ravenloft todd lockwood wrote uh with somebody else i can't remember her name um wrote specter of the black rose which i have read within the last five years which is a good book Um, again soth is in ravenloft right But when Hickman and Weiss came back, they're like, didn't happen. It's not canon. Fuck you. Soth is in Kryn. And now Soth is officially back in Kryn. And Ravenloft... Now, I guess they have said that, yes, he was in Ravenloft, but he has transitioned back. Ravenloft basically kicked him out. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he was too evil. (laughs) And he is back in Kryn. So I was disappointed in that Sithicus and Lord Soth was not in the Dread Plains, uh, but... So it goes, right? Still, this book is fantastic. And I want to talk about chapter one and character creation because I know you two love character creation. Nolan, you talked about the dark gifts, the dark bargains, the dark descriptions. There's also some subclass options, which we've talked about when it came to the UAs. And that is there's two new subclasses in the book, the Bard College of Spirits and the Warlock, the Undead. Um, We talked about those in the UAs. So Nolan, why don't you just give us a real quick, brief description of those two real quick.
2: Okay, so the College of Spirits, uh, it says, Bards of the College of Spirits seeks tales with inert power, be they legend, histories, or fiction, and bring their subjects to life. Using occult trappings, these bards conjure spiritual embodiments of powerful forces to change the world once more. Such spirits, uh, capricious though, and what a bard summons isn't always under their control. Uh, so the basically they get uh, a guidance cantrip, so they're theming it around the idea that you're asking the ghosts for some aid to help you on your next role. Spiritual focus at third level, you employ tools that aid your channeling of spirits. Um, you can use the following objects as a spellcasting focus instead of a, a weapon or an instrument, depending on, well, weapon would just be swords. Uh, starting at sixth level, when you cast a bar spell, that deals damage or restores hit points uh, through the spiritual focus roll a d6. You gain a bonus to one damage or healing roll. So a nice little bump to everything you got which i thought was pretty strong uh and then because of your connection with the spirits uh you get some extra things you can do with your inspiration um you reach out through the spirits to tell tales through you when you're holding your spiritual focus you can use a bonus section expend one of your bardic inspirations to roll on the spirits table using your bardic inspiration die to determine the tale of the spirits directs to you you retain the tale in your mind until you bestow the tale's effect uh, when you finish a short or long rest and so this is a great Tale of Story, whether it's Tale of the Dragon, Tale of the Brute, uh, Tale of the Phantom. Uh, the example here that I will is Tale of the Avenger. For one minute, any creature that hits the target with a melee attack takes force damage equal to the roll of your Bardic Inspiration die. Your barbarian's up there getting smacked around. or Use this tale told to you through the spirits and give them a bow. So, I like the theme of it. Uh, I like the idea that, again, more spirits, more spooky stuff. It really kind of clicks on that point where you're at. Then the warlock is a uh, packed with the undead. And so at this point, you have made a deal um, with something undead that's powerful. And, and the example they hear is beings of this type include the Demi Lechia Serac, the vampire tyrant uh, Kaz, the Bloody Hand, the Githyanki Lich Queen, Black Keith, the Dracolich Dragonoth, the undead Pharaoh, Ankh, and the elusive Dark Lord, Aslan Rex. So your are somebody that's transcended that realm of life to the undeath is giving up a little bit of their power to let you have a form of Their aspect feature is form of the dead. Uh, As a bonus action, you transform for a minute, and it gives you basically once on each of your turns when you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can make it frightened of you. You yourself become immune to frightened. You get a bonus to temporary hit points, just kind of that shell of unlife protecting you. Uh, You can do this equal to proficiency bonus. So we're continuing to see that uh, per long rest. So it scales with you as you level. And then your form of dread appears something along the lines of thing that gave you its power. So whether it is a skeletal hand, you know, from the lich, or your face changes to some skeletal type shit, have fun with it. Donuts. nuts. Um, Sixth level undead feature. Your patron powers have a profound effect on your body and magic. You don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. You are... Tapping in so far that you are becoming undead-ish yourself. In addition, once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with an attack roll and damage roll against the creature, you can replace the damage type with necrotic damage. While you are using your form of dead, you can roll one additional damage die when determining the necrotic damage the target takes. Uh, Tenth level, your connection to undeath and necrotic energy now saturates your body. You have resistance to necrotic damage. If you are transformed using your form of dead, you instead become immune to necrotic damage. In addition, when you'd be reduced to zero hit points, you can use your reaction to drop to one hit point instead, causing your body to erupt with deathly energy. Each creature your choice within 30 feet takes necrotic damage equal to 2d10 plus your warlock level. Then you gain one level of exhaustion. Once you use this reaction, you can't do so again until you finish 1d4 long rest. So now you're a undead plague bomb. Um, yeah. So, it, again, right in theme, another one of the ones of... I'm now convinced in my mind that I just need to see every warlock thing as a sorcerer uh aspect now so i would like to see something that is the product as a sorcerer as well uh, of an undead thing but i like the theme uh doing a warlock and a monk of long death somebody that's mastered kind of that thing i don't seems (laughs) it seems good it seems on point it seems thematic and just having that sitting over your head that you can't escape what you're dealing with here
3: Zach, you
0: had mentioned that you felt like that this book is really geared towards the DM and that you thought this is one of the better ones that they've done. And I know that chapter two talks about creating the domains of dread so you can create your own. And I just was wondering if you could go into a little bit more detail about what you mean by this book was definitely geared towards the DM and what what brought you to those
3: conclusions.
1: Well, I I mean, how many chapters are there? Five? Uh,
3: There's five, yeah.
1: Five chapters and one of those chapters can be used by players. You got four chapters which are just determined to give DMs something to work with. And I I don't I think you could ignore chapter two, which would be a mistake because it's the best chapter in this book. And like, just go through chapter three, which is just the official canon domains of Ravenloft. And there's a ton of them. Minus Scythicus. Minus Scythicus. And they've all got adventure hooks. Like you don't even have to go to Barovia, Strahd's domain. Like you could ignore that one. And there's still just a ton of things, but I think the best part that when you get down to the end, there's no like sample adventure where Something happens, they give you four tables that you can roll on, and it's like, what does this Dreadlord want? Roll a d6. Okay, they are looking to recover their evil energies so they can finally escape. How are they going to do it? Roll a d6. Well, they gotta kidnap a bunch of people. And so you can... like, I think it gives DMs a way to like make an adventure in this world... But they could also just make their own. And so, right.
4: if you had, have... oh, we lost, we lost Zach. Zach. Give him just a couple minutes to see if he bounces back. There he is.
1: Sorry about that.
4: No, no problem.
1: Internet, I guess. But if you had, like, where was I? If you had a bad guy that a DM was trying to create in the back of their head, and they have never, like, found a place for them, you know? Like, it's like, well, we were running Frostbane, and Patrick's like, I have an idea for a bad guy. I think it'd be really cool. And then are like, I can't really fit him in here. In, in Ravenloft, you can just give that bad guy literally their own pocket universe.
0: So when I first started playing, or DMing D&D, not first started playing, I was playing with my friend Harold, and Harold is the one who got me into D&D. Uh, again, AD&D 2nd Edition. And what we were doing, we were actually playing in Greyhawk, right? Because that's that was the realm that Harold loved, and that's where he wanted to play. Well, it was probably, so we, we had a couple things going on. We had Harold playing this solo character, and I was DMing it. And then we had the bigger game where Harold and I took turns DMing. So the solo character was created to be the bad guy that the bigger campaign, the bigger party was eventually going to fight. The character's name was Deicide because Harold was really into hardcore death metal at the time, which the band Deicide. Um, when we found Ravenloft, when the box that came out for Ravenloft, we immediately took that character into Ravenloft and we dropped him into Barovia um, and, and then, I think we shunted him out of Ravenloft and into the Forgotten Realms. So what what, what we did, we used Ravenloft as a way to transition from Oerth, Greyhawk, to the Forgotten Realms, because these good characters came into Ravenloft with the purpose of killing Deicide and then being shunted out. But nobody knows where the mists are going to drop you, so we went to Forgotten Realms, which is where we wanted to be anyway. Um, so seeing this area where I can create a Domain of Dread, this Chapter 2, would have been so helpful all those years ago when we were playing this. One of the things that I liked about this book, um, the Domain and the Dread are fantastic. They're very well written. I liked, um, you know, they go into some minor domains. They, they do, they, I, I totally agree with you, Zach, and that this book is a DM's book, 100%. I've immediately was blown away by chapter four and the flow chart of the adventure. Because something that we've all complained about is how the books are laid out. We recently discussed Rime of the Frostmaiden, where I was complaining to you guys last week about how you know it's a very difficult book to run. Zach, you have said that you thought Waterdeep Dragon Ice was a hot mess and how difficult that book is. Now, now when I look at this, I have a flowchart. I know, okay, they should be here, then to here, then to here, then to here, then to here. And how brilliant is that? How simple is that? I don't know who innovated that idea for this adventure that's in the back of the book, this chapter four adventure, and said, "Hey, what if we did a flowchart to help people have, better understand how the adventure should go? Why weren't we doing this all along? <laughs> you know, because that would really help." And and I think that. Something that simple would have made Rhyme of the frostman that much better because the story of Rhyme of the frostman is really good. It is just not an easy adventure to run. And now I have this where I can go, oh, now I know where they should be. I'm excited to run this adventure because it makes it as the DM a little bit clearer for me to run. It makes it a little bit easier for me to say, all right, we've done chapter one or whatever. We should be here at this point and instead of me trying to pick and choose where you guys are going to be i i really liked that that was the i mean of all things that's the part where i was like well that's fucking brilliant
1: makes sense
3: other than that
0: this book is is gorgeous it really is you know i've flipped through the hard copy and i'm just absolutely blown away by it um I love the style of the art. I love how the book is laid out. I love the alternate art covers, one of my favorites. They do a good job with the alternate art covers. I don't always buy them, but this is one that I knew I had to have. Um, As the DM in our group, this is a book where I'm I'm like, okay, we could do a Ravenloft, even a one-shot adventure in Ravenloft, that is gonna be fun. Because now I have the tools necessary to say, okay, we're gonna be in Borka and I know who the Dreadlord is. There's two of them in this case. Um, yeah. And I know how to create an adventure in Borka where we're going to play in, in Barovia and you don't necessarily have to deal with Strahd because there's so many other things that go on in Barovia. Strahd could be an influence. You may see him every once in a while, but it doesn't always have to happen that way. So I, I think this is probably the first time in a while that I've said this with with real passion. Great work, Wizards. This book is, is good. I, I'm really happy with this book.
2: My, so I think when I look at these things down, we've always talked about it. like, oh, I want, I want all the books, and I'm going to put them all together, and I'm going to take 15 books, and I'm going to make a story out of it. And wherever my party goes, I have this adventure that's wrapped up. Oh, you guys want to go north? There's frost giants. You want to go south? These are going crazy. I don't know what's going on. Let's do this. This book here, the first thing as I took away from it was, in the chapter 3 of the domains, the maps for each realm are so well done the thing that triggered in me was they all look like islands. And so I would want to create an adventure and not have it be anything other than find a reason why a group of sailors are visiting these chains of islands along the way. Whether you're Columbus setting out and every island you land on is a different pocket domain and have that be like the overarching thing, right? Like you're You guys actually died on the sea going. This is your own personal hell. Not have, you know, pull some lost bullshit of you all died a long time ago. This is just your hell of visiting all these different horrors. And this is your steps to either penance or like that's the final reward, right? You've been through 13 layers, islands of hell. You've, you know, atoned for sins or become worse. Do you want one? Do you want to go back to life? What is next for you? You know, and, and so each one reminded me of this own little island. I was like, oh, I'm just going to sail there. And I'm like, wait, that's not how this works. And then I was like, I'm just going to sail there. And so that was, I love the maps. The maps were just fantastic.
0: You know, I, I love the idea that Ravenloft, each of the dread planes are wrapped in the mists, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah, it could be that okay, like you said, you set out on this 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 ship and you are at sail, but then you enter the mists and you come through the mists, not knowing that it was you know transported to a new dread plane. Um, and there are mistwalkers; there are those people who can do that. And and create a character that you can do that with, or create a party that you can do that with, and, and visit the individual dread planes. I mean, maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know that if I go through here, I'm going to end up in Bloodspur. Or if I go through here, I'm going to end up in Borka. You don't know for sure. But the DM does, obviously. And that could be a lot of fun.
2: Have them be as little filler things. Like, you know, even if you have, for whatever reason, your boat not your bolt you just work on it and it happens to be have the ability to travel to miss you know right just, yeah and so if you get if you way. if you don't get on the boat before it leaves you're stuck in that dread plane until it comes back yeah or you keep trying to leave on anything but that boat because it's haunted or whatever and you keep ending up back on the shore you know or whatever right i, yeah. I feel like that would be a good way just again like you said maybe you need a filler campaign you know maybe you need a thing. listen my story they got to be to level nine um, you know, they're only level seven. Guess what? You guys are on a merchant ship. You're on a wagon caravan. And just pick one of these islands and grab it and scare the hell out of your people and let them leave afterwards or whatever. And don't, you know, don't make them trapped yeah. in a personnel. Just scare the shit out of your guys and let them go be level nine back in your own world. And away you go. They're all very well set up to hop in, do something, get out, or stay there and play for a long time. I mean, it gives you a lot of options.
1: Does. What's what's the one that is constantly
4: under zombie attack?
1: I don't remember. I, I think it's Lamordia. Not nope, <clears throat> nope. No. Not trying to give spoilers, but there's a domain of dread that is always under zombie attack. The zombie horde is always coming to get you. Like that's that's just crazy. <laughs> right. But like no one was saying, it's just like, well, you know, I know we're I know the party's supposed to be traveling to location B from location A, but you know what? Mist comes. You guys find yourself there's one walled city and the zombies are always coming. Right? You've got one month to prepare for a zombie invasion. And then when the zombie invasion is done, it's like Whoop well, the Mist wrap you up. That was a nice little side adventure. And now you guys are at location A. That's, I think like Nolan was saying, really there's, a lot of, well, I think, like, there's a lot know. of opportunities to just be like, yeah, you got lost in the mist. You got lost at sea, and you guys are going to have to spend a month here. To, like, just survive.
2: Well, like I said, looking at the maps, like uh, Lamordia, just because I, I pulled it up because that was the one you're talking about for, see, that very easily could be something of Rime of the Frostmaiden the ice you see the steam engine you know what i mean like yeah do and i I think that would be the fun side of things of like okay you guys arrive in this town you know whatever they're doing their thing it's a normal town and then all of a sudden off in the distance there's a steam engine going by and your people have never seen a steam boat you know cruising down the river like just have those little drops of like i think this is part of our world like what is happening you know and just leave those little breadcrumbs of um my my guess is as far as (laughs) not not having to deal with kinder vampires is probably a good thing for fifth edition right now (laughs) so that's my guess is why there was no song
0: i wanted to jump to chapter two real quick uh zach you mentioned skip chapter two uh but then you also added but it is like the best chapter One of the things that I like that they brought into this is they're really trying to define what horror is and how to use horror in your games, right? So they talk about the different genres of horror and body horror obviously is the losing control of your body and not being able to do something. Um, Cosmic horror, dark fantasy, folk horror, ghost stories, gothic horror, and other horror genres. They really do a good job of breaking that down and helping us understand how to use the different type of horrors in our games. So that when you jump over to chapter four and it's a horror adventure. You know, It tells you, okay, here's how you prepare for horror. And then I really like the part that they say after the horror. Um, And they they make it a point. And this is actually a conversation that I just had with my son, Aiden, who is preparing to run a, a, a Vampire the Masquerade game with people who've never played it before. And he's talking about the different types of things that he wants to introduce into the game and how to make sure people are okay. So in the after the horror section... The first line is, it's always a good idea to check in with players at the end of a session. But this remains especially true for adventures where tensions run high and stories can elicit strong emotional responses. We've played games, uh, the three of us, have sat down together and played games where at the end of the game, I've said to you all, is everybody good? Because there's been some pretty intense sessions. There's been times where during a game, you guys get so intense with each other that I'm sitting there going oh, fuck, what's going on? Are they about to fistfight? And then I'll say, take a break. And then you all start laughing. And I'm like, well, what the hell? <laughs> you know? Um, so I do think it's really it's a great idea and good on Wizards for throwing this in there because it is important to check in with each other and make sure that you didn't do something as a DM or as a player to upset the other people. Or if you did, you can talk your way through it and make sure everybody is Okay. So I thought that was really, really good, and I'm glad that they included that. Uh, they also talk about some props that you can use, like the Taroka deck and the spirit board. And they talk about like the horror toolkit and using curses and some examples of curses. Again, I, I just go back to this is a very well-done book. So we are we are really pushing time here, guys, and I kind of figured we might with this one. So I do want to get your final thoughts, and then I would like you each to score the book on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, Zach, we're going to start with you on this one. So uh, give us your final thoughts on this book and then score the book and tell me if you think that this book is a must-have.
1: My final thoughts. If... If you did not want to buy an adventure module because you're the DM that wants to write their own stuff, you would still get every penny's worth out of this. If only for the fact that you can throw these locations into any game, but also just to be like, you have to build your own adventure, but this game gives you the tools to do that. If you're a player, I don't think you really need it. It's got Three cool things in there for you, but if you're a dungeon master and you want to run a game that's scary, that's brutal, and that's horrifying, I think this—I think it's a must-have. Also, the art and the maps are just fantastic. Like, I think it's like a—it's like a nine out of ten.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Nolan, let's let's get your final thoughts, grade it, and tell me if it's a must-have.
1: I'm gonna go
2: with—I'm uh, gonna echo Zach's area. If you're a player, uh, unless it hypers. Is specific to what you want to do whether it's a race background or one of the subclasses i, I wouldn't pick it up um just just from that side but buying a 40 dollars book for one subclass is probably not the best investment um again dnd beyond you could pick up the thing for three dollars or something like that if you had to play a warlock yeah. that was undead or something that would be my recommendation um from a dm standpoint i always look at it as it Opening up for the first time, it inspired me to write my own story. And for me, that's one of the things that that doesn't always happen when I grab these books. Sometimes I look at it like, yeah, it's pretty, the art's there, you know, okay, and then I set it aside. Um, this one here, I was like, oh, yeah, and then I could go here and I could go here. So as far as that stuff goes, I, I, how to run your own adventure, dealing with horror, uh, scaring the crap out of people, the dark gifts it, it has a lot of stuff that you could throw into your game without necessarily... Having to live here, having to be here, you know, having that temptation, having that kind of stuff, having how to run the campaign, how to make things more real or more scary or um, the bad guy not necessarily just be, uh, you know, Boo or Jason or, you know what I mean? Like one of those things of Darth Vader is a great bad guy because he thinks he's right. And that's what makes him more scary is because of that conviction. Um, Doing good or doing evil in the name of good is a scary bad guy. And this here gives you some of those psychological Abilities to make a bad guy that you're like, I mean, in another life I could understand where he's coming from, and that makes it worse, you know, type situation. So, uh, I'd give it, you know, eight out of ten for me, just because I'm a player and not a DM. Um, if you're a DM, I give it a ten out of ten. I genuinely think, as far as from just a having a book to have a book, this is one that I wouldn't mind having a hard copy of just because of the maps. Um, I'm happy I have it on D and Beyond because of the maps. I, they're just so good. Uh, yeah, that's my ramp.
0: Cool. Um, so I, I, gosh, I echo both of you. I, I think this book is very well done. They've laid it out very well. Uh, it's it's a f- f- incredible resource for for a DM. And you know, and it's not just for a DM either. In this case, when I say DM, I, I specifically think Dungeons and Dragons. This is a great way to learn to run horror in any game that you play. Right. This is a great way to take the, the advice that you get here and apply it to your other games. Maybe you are somebody who runs multiple games or are involved in multiple games of, of different types and you want to include horror in those games. Here's a great way for you to learn how to do that. Um and, and you know, I think sometimes I get sucked into or, or believe that sometimes D D is especially fifth edition with how how friendly they've made it um you know there's definitely been some changes to fifth edition that makes this where dungeons and dragons isn't as um intense as i as i once thought it was and this is a reintroduction to that this is yes we can be the friendly game that we want to be and still have some of these intense uh themes to deal with uh i thought I think the book is very well, very well laid out. And I was going to mention, I'm glad you did, Nolan, that you can, if you're a player, you can pick up the, the subclass options, the dark gifts, things like that, a la carte on D&D Beyond, which is why D&D Beyond is such a wonderful resource. Uh, I, I love D&D Beyond. In fact, I have on my other screen here, I have the book open on D&D Beyond instead of holding my physical copy of the book. And I'm sure the rest of you probably have it up as well. Um, yeah, exactly. So this is a great way for you to learn about a realm or, or multiple realms i should say to learn about the demiplane of ravenloft this is a great way for you to create adventures and then going right back to that flowchart uh w- with the adventure that was that's so good I, I wish that i hope moving forward we see that in more of the adventures because that is a great resource for dms as a dm someone who t- is typically the dm of our groups this is a must have this is a book that I absolutely have to have because it does such a good job. Uh, I love the fact that I can say, okay, I want to run a game where, you know, body horror is the theme. And I can read about the body horror section and get an idea of how I want to do that. Then I can read about how to create my own domain and, and do that and incorporate those things. I can't score it a 10 out of 10, though. It's not Wizard's fault. It's nobody's fault. But Scythicus isn't in here, so I'm going to have to go with a 9 out of 10.
2: Hopefully it's with good reason because we'll get a Dragonlance campaign. They need right. a bad guy back.
0: And, you know, and I'm actually, so if they do that, I'll rescore this as a 10 out of 10 because having Soth back in Crin is where he belongs, truthfully. So he is just too cool of a bad guy to not have there. Okay, guys. Well, that is our look at, um, whoa, so Apparently I need to stop, not press the control button and zoom in on my screen or scroll my mouse because it's just. <laughs> um, so that is our look at Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Obviously, the three of us agree that this is a fantastic book. And if you're a DM, this is something you definitely want on your shelf or in your digital collection. Uh, do we have anything else before we sign off for the week?
2: No, okay. For me?
0: Okay, well everybody thank you so much for listening uh this has been a fun episode to do uh, i'm really excited about this book as the rest of us are and i think it's going to be interesting to see how we traverse uh ravenloft if we do in the future i know we want to play curse of Strahd against it very soon so this could be something that is able to enrich our ravenloft games that is it for this week folks thank you so much for joining us bye bye bye